Hello and welcome to the Morning Skate Podcast. I am Matt Moody, joined by DJ Mitchell. We're here to talk about opening night. DJ, we have three games ahead of us. A little appetizer for the 23-24 season. Uh, how you doing? How you feeling about this Tuesday slate that starts at 5.30 Eastern? Yeah, a little weird on the 5.30 Eastern thing. It's like throwing me a curveball for it. Like, and it doesn't matter because I'm just working from home. But uh, I mean, I'm obviously, I'm super excited. It's definitely three games where like you pull up the sports book and none of them are pickums by any stretch. So that oftentimes will give you a bit more of a inkling on where goaltending could go. Like there's a lot to discuss, I feel like, and there's 50k up top in the main contest. There's also a underdog contest, which is already open, which we talked about on our last stream. And I will be getting um hopefully 135 in, but I don't know if I'm actually gonna get 135 in. But you know, 2K up top there as well. So big contest to get it started. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not that, uh, you know, I don't know that I'll be drafting 135 toe drag Tuesdays over an underdog, but I'll try and get, you know, a handful in um, for sure. But um, I, I do want to address a couple things right off the top. Uh, one, obviously, this is a Tuesday show. Uh, d- depending on what DraftKings puts out for Wednesday, we're planning on having a show. Like, if the slate absolutely sucks for some reason, then we might just skip it and wait for Thursday, you know, that sort of deal. But, um, you know, at the time of this recording, obviously, we don't know exactly what Wednesday will look like. So um, expect it for this week. Normally, when you listen to us, we will be a Tuesday-Thursday podcast. Um, that tends to be when the NHL has their largest weekday uh, slates. So that will be, uh, you know, when you can expect us. For basically every slate, though, you can hop in the Morning Skate Pod Discord Um DM one of us on, on Twitter if you want to uh, get in there and you're not yet for some reason, but I expect most of you are. And the other thing I want to address is that there does seem to be a bit of delay between DJ and I. We spent a lot of time uh, in the run-up to the show trying to deduce uh, what exactly might be causing that and how to rectify it. Doesn't seem like we've perfectly succeeded. Uh, we may have. You might not notice it partially because I can edit out dead air in the uh, in the podcast editing portion. Um, but if you notice us talking over one another or whatever, it, it, it's not our fault. Like we're not trying to interrupt each other. Um, so I just want to get that out of the way. We'll work on it for the rest of this week. But this is our first time on Zoom in uh, quite a while because we were on Streamyard before this with um with the live streams we were doing. So, uh, DJ, do you want to take us through the three games on the docket here? Yeah, sure. So, uh, yep, first, betting slate as well. I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds at this point. Um, I'll have some tweets out about it. But Nashville plus 140. The Lightning are minus 166. Uh, Tampa at home. So, yep, decent favorites there. Five and a half over under. Not the, They're all five and a halves, uh, but it's not the highest total per the book. It's minus 102 on the over. Chicago, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, the biggest favorite on the slate, minus 238. That is the highest total, six and a half minus 120. Um, yeah, so that I think a lot of people will tend to take a good hard look at these uh, these Penguins. Seattle at Vegas, Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights at home, minus 170, uh, over under six and a half plus 110. So that's the lowest total. Uh, yeah, well, we're going to go game by game, I assume. So we might as well just, yeah. we'll kind of get to all the notes as we do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I, I will something s- off the cuff there. 
Okay. I know uh, you said I, I, you corrected it later, but they are all five, six and a half totals. So like the implied team totals on the favorites, we should expect Pittsburgh to be the most owned, um, probably then followed by uh, then followed by Vegas, I would guess. And then Tampa. Um, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa got steamed up to a larger favorite than Vegas, though. Um, just, just personally, uh, you know, I, I, I think Nashville should be fine this year, but I also think Tampa is just a really good team in a different class even without Vasilevsky in goal. So we'll see. Um, but, you know, those should be your prohibitive chalky pieces, uh, Pittsburgh especially, just given their massive favorites against this decrepit Chicago team. Um, do keep an eye, though, on like these, you know, we're going to talk about these teams pretty in depth, not only because it's useful on the main slate, but also because there are some decent later slates. Like, uh, I believe the uh, showdown for the Vegas game is like 10K to first. Um, so it's 10k to first on the two game slate that starts at eight o'clock, and it is 5k to first on the showdown slate for Vegas. So, um, you know, decent for the NHL as far as prize pools are concerned. It's not the 1k that we saw at maximum in the preseason. Um, so to lead things off with Nashville and Tampa. Um, you know, let's let's ignore the the fact that Vasilevsky's not here for just a moment. Um, what are you doing with Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg? Because looking at the slate, like you know, at, at Wang we have Kucherov, Stamkos, Gensel, and then Forsberg. He's you know right up there among the elites uh, price wise. And then at defense, we have Yossi seven hundred above Eric Carlson. You know, eleven hundred above. Chris Letang. So despite Nashville being underdogs, are you interested in like Forsberg Yossi stacks or either one individually? Yeah, I mean I'm definitely gonna mix it in. And because it should I mean not go massively under the radar. And I think Yossi will get some ownership. Um, but I'll yeah, I'm definitely gonna include it. I, I just I'm kind of optimistic that people are gonna buy in on the Jonas Johansson preseason hype as he looked really, really good for Tampa and maybe that's going to talk them off of what has been, you know, a terrible goaltender for all of his NHL career. So I'm interested. Like I said, I think the Predators are going to be interesting. So of all the games, I would think the stack, that is my favorite. Um, so, yeah, I will be trying to mix that in. There's pieces you can get around Forsberg that are really cheap. Although, uh, you know, Parsonin isn't exactly a rates monster. He's 2,600 likely on a line with ROR and Forsberg. Um, so yeah, it's doable. I'm going to have it, but I think it's more of a, I want enough tickets from the preseason that I'm going to have a lot of a little bit of everything on a three game slate. Then like, I'm actively thinking this is a clear nut spot. Um, I did take a look at last year's uh, pre or, you know, first slate uh, as an FYI, it was a two game slate. Um, on if you're using Roto Grinders, this is free in Results DB. Um, just go to like NFL Results DB, and then along the top, there's an NHL tab, so you could do this too. But if you go back to October 11th, 2022, there was a two game slate that led off the season with a 200,000 prize pool, and I think it was 50k to first as well. Um, but I just wanted to talk about what the winning teams looked like because honestly, it was a kind of very neat sort of idea where like. Uh, basically, the context of the slate was that Mika Zabinajad smashed. Uh, he had 35. Um, it doesn't say what exactly he did as far as like goals-wise, but I'm guessing he had two goals and an assist and five shots or something like that. Um, but 
so looking at the winner, they had a 2-2-2-2 stack, just, you know, of basically two guys from every team on a two-game slate. So it's slightly different than a three-gamer, obviously. Um, but, like, you know, had Eichel Stevenson against Jonathan Quick and still got, you know, still took down first place because they just had all the right pieces. Second place, though, was, you know, a three-man stack of Vegas. Um, you know, third place was a three-man stack of uh, the Rangers, you know, with the three-man stack of Tampa. So, like, there were many different constructions. Down in sixth, there was a six, uh, six-person Vegas onslaught with a Zabinijad one-off. So, like, the idea that there's not, you know, there's not really one specific type that wins any contest, but particularly on these smaller slates, I think it's very important to sort of uh, move outside the bounds of the 4-3-1 type builds that are, you know, very common among the Optobro uh, cohort. Like one, you know, it's not a guarantee that the four three one is even like the optimal stack on any slate. But even on smaller slates, it's even more important because you're just limiting your potential to be duped, uh, in my estimation, given what the field tends to do. And you're really leaning into those sort of upside type outcomes where, like, yeah, it's an outlier if uh, Pittsburgh scores eight goals, but like they could <laughs> and you know same deal for nashville you know i would not be surprised if nashville scored six goals here so like leaning into like just beyond stacking single lines like you know i think you could play parson and cody glass with forsberg you know uh, forsberg yossi o'reilly or something like that like um so just some thoughts initially as far as like how i'm attacking this slate I do think I'm kind of interested in some underdogs um, because they just have so many cheap pieces that are really useful to fitting in these elite high-end plays. Um, so, you know, Parsonen's a great idea just as far as like, yeah, I don't think you're playing him as a one-off, but on this type of a slate, 2,600, he probably could get there as a one-off. I think there's slightly better pure punts that we'll get to around the same price tag, but um, you know, it's not outside the realm of possibility. Um, beyond that top line, it we're, we're left in a little bit of darkness. Um, we, we don't have solid information out of the, the Nashville camp as far as what their power play two uh, will look like. Um, let's see. We had their actual lines. Sorry, their second line, we don't know what it'll look like. The second power play, though, having um, Nyquist, Evangelista, Tomasino, Parson, and Barry. Um, so before I throw it back to you, DJ, the one thing I did want to cover is that I was sort of expecting Tyson Barry to be on the first power play unit. Obviously that isn't happening and, you know, makes sense that most teams don't want 2D on their top power plays. Um, but Roman Yossi led, uh, all defensemen last year, as far as like his point involvement on the power play. So I know he's very expensive, but I think if you're stacking Forsberg, if you're stacking like power plays with Cody Glass or Tommy Novak, um, I just really think 7,800 Roman EOC is going to get there too. Um, so I would try to sort of like go out of your way to get up to him. He's not the standard defenseman who's passing it and getting out of the way. Um, he's involved in like upwards of 90% of their power play goals. So um, he's just a different beast back there. I just wanted to make that point clear. So anything else on Nashville you want to talk about beyond just some, you know, maybe mix them in in stacks type pieces? Yeah. Yeah. Um... No, that's probably a good point. I mean, you already mentioned Glass, uh, Novak on the top power play as well, but Glass is, a, you know, more than a 1,000 cheaper. He's 1,400 cheaper than Novak, and I don't really find them to be all that much different other than their shooting percentage last year. Um, 
I honestly like, I don't know. I mean, it, it does feel like a team that has one top line because of Forsberg and then three third lines. If, if that maybe two third lines and a fourth. Uh, so I think you could kind of convince me of whatever, like I'm not super, super hard and steady on anything, but 3,500 glass just feels like it could get maybe a bit overlooked and he's going to be on the first power play with Roman Yossi. But other than that, um, I think there's punts that we're going to get to at defense and I don't really see myself going the Nashville route, but we can go over to Tampa now. Yeah. Um, keep an eye on pregame warmups for Nashville because whoever's playing with Yossi, if it's not Barry probably is in play as like just a punt D like if it's Fabro, if it's Luke Shen, uh, we just, we didn't really get good info uh, from this team, uh, unfortunately. So um, keep an eye on that because anyone who's like in the top four theoretically could be a good opponent. Like McDonough tends to like be in play at 3,700 just because he can get you a blocks bonus. And if he's playing with FOC, there's slightly more offense, you know, et cetera. So um, moving over to Tampa, I, I think it's interesting to note that Point, Kucherov, Stamkos are starting the season together. Um, but once you stack those three, it's very hard to build around them. So with how popular I would expect Pittsburgh to be, you know, I haven't dug through the projections and made lineups based on the projections and all that. Um, but I imagine Crosby Gensel is going to be more popular than Point Kudrov at, you know, that the similar nosebleed type prices. Um, so I think playing all three of Tampa together actually could be relatively unique. Um, one way, though, that I'm looking to further that uh, uniqueness is just to see who they're projecting as the power play one guy, whether it's Hedman or whether it's Sergachev. These guys split time 50-50 down the middle last season, like exactly. And it's been very clear throughout training camp that there's no rhyme or reason to how um, to how this is going to play out in any specific game. Meaning if Hedman's getting the power play one listing, there's no guarantee that he gets there in that game. Like it's just as likely to be Sergeyev. So I'm just going to lean into lower ownership as a result of that. And then, you know, play the other guy um, if I had to choose. So Sergeyev is 500 cheaper. He probably has better floor stats as well. Hedman took a bit of a step back in that regard last year, but dealt with some injuries and whatnot. So it remains to be seen what exactly these two are. Um, but right now I prefer Sergeyev. Um, but if Sergeyev's listed on the top power play, I'm more than happy to play Hedman and just know that there's really not a huge difference. Um, but stacking the D with the power play is not as important for Tampa as it is for Nashville. So just wanted to say that. Uh, any any thoughts on how Tampa stacks up the Pittsburgh at the elite end or any values on Tampa you're looking forward to playing on Tuesday? I mean, yeah, I think it's going to come in lower own, like you're saying. So I do like that. I've already said I, you know, I like that first game a, a pretty good bit. Um, just in general, I, I feel like both teams could, just because they're, they're like every team that is chalky in theory is uh, expensive. Like it's only three games. I don't know. I, I just like the idea of trying to get that three with Yossi in some capacity in a lineup. Um, I, I'm not that interested in other pieces around it based on, you know, the lightning insider. The second power play is Sorelli Hagel Shiri and Tanner Janelle with either Hedman or Sergachev. They're kind of, you know, not a hundred percent on who it's going to be, which excludes, you know, Isimont, a guy that I much prefer. And I mean, I get Tanner Janelle's minimum, you know, the min sal. So maybe a couple people go that route, but 
I don't know. It kind of feels like you're just buying a fourth liner revenge narrative on the second power play to just do do that. Like you're not going to get points for hits. So I think it's all or nothing with Tampa. I'm going to end up with that full stack um, for sure in at least a couple lineups. Yeah, if you play the full first line of Tampa with Roman Yossi, you have 3,000 left to spend uh, once you put in a goalie, you know, Mrazek or whoever, um, less if you want to pay up in that. So, you know, it's tough, but certainly it's it's plausible that you could do it, and the game script would absolutely make sense where both power plays are clicking, and, you know, Stamkos outscores Forsberg, basically. Like, I imagine Kucherov would outscore Forsberg if they're scoring a bunch anyway, but Stamkos would also have to be involved. So um, certainly one route you could go. I'm personally probably not interested in Tanner Juno here um, on the second power play. Like if I if I'm looking to punt, I honestly think I would rather play Nick Paul as like a util at 3100. He's going to be on the top unit apparently. Um, without Alex Kalorn, it remains to be seen how steadfast they are in using Nick Paul in that role. Like uh, they very well could cycle through guys like. Brandon Hagel and you know Sorelli even uh you know Janot himself in the net front it just sort of remains to be seen how steadfast they are to do that um so you know I'm keeping an eye on it but yeah Brandon Hagel takes a massive hit as a result of being on the second line and I'm the top power play so 5100 I'm just not playing him whatsoever I'll let other people try to chase a relatively low ownership um if he's low projected as a result so anything else there before we move on no good yeah good mention on the paul first power play i feel like i mentioned every player playing on the power play except for him so thanks for grabbing that um yeah let's move over uh chicago pittsburgh you know it's bedard it's crosby um but not only is it bedard and crosby they're both very expensive crosby's 8200 bedard it's 7500 feels like the most expensive i've ever seen a player in their first game but is it warranted probably um there's some you know some injury notes on the chicago side but in reality, you know, Bedard, Hall, and Donato should be together five on five in the power play. Lucas Reichel is a guy we're both, I think, pretty high on. He's 3,700, but on the second line, it's as if they think he may be able to carry corpses up and down the ice. And I think he's really good, but that does hurt his upside playing with literally, you know, anyone on Chicago not named Bedard is is, is not fun. Um mm-hmm. Power play is a little bit suspect, you know, a lot that we're kind of going off of the last time they really ran one. Um, and that was Jones, Bedard, Donato, Hall, and Perry. So again, not even getting regular on the first power play hurts. So it kind of feels like if you're playing Chicago to get unique, you're just having to play Bedard. Um, any thoughts on Chicago? Yeah. It's uh, I'm impressed with how DraftKings handled this. Honestly, I was expecting Bedard to be obnoxiously cheap um, to start the year. Um, so I, you know, looking at their most recent preseason game against uh, Minnesota here, which, you know, whatever, it's a preseason. Seth Jones played 27 minutes. It, it seems like he's still going to be their number one. Um, you know, Korczynski played 20 with some power play two time, Murphy 20, Vlasic 19. So like Seth Jones at 27 was clearly the alpha there. Um, what I was interested in just now was Ryan Donato's playing time alongside Hall and, you know, Bedard. Um, he was up at 20 minutes, you know, not quite the 23 of Bedard and the 21 of Taylor Hall. But, you know, reminder, this is a guy in Seattle who was in play in DFS at, you know, 3K when he was getting 11 minutes a night because of his power play role, because of his propensity to shoot. Um, I'm seeing Taylor Hall as more of a distributor on this team. So 
I think Bedard soaks up a lot of shots, you know, and that's why I'm impressed. DraftKings priced him up to 7,500. We've simply never seen a prospect like him. Like even McDavid coming in, like had, you know, very little to, to hold to Bedard as far as like the incoming shot rates, which we really care about in DFS. So this 75, you know, it's it's really expensive, but honestly, it might be warranted, particularly if you're using Ryan Donato. So um, I'm I'm thinking Taylor Hall is a bit of a luxury item where like, sure, if you want to play Bedard and thinks, you know, oh, he gets two points. Like, yeah, Taylor Hall could certainly get there at 5K. But I think if I'm playing Bedard, I'm prioritizing getting in uh, either Seth Jones or Ryan Donato just because I believe in their ability to hit bonuses, even if they only say get one assist on a Bedard goal. Like obviously Bedard has a score to get there at this price. Um, but like Taylor Hall would have to get multiple points, I think, to make you regret fading him. Um, versus Donato, I think, can get there, you know, in his own way. Seth Jones too. Uh, I like Taylor Hall too, of course, but like just saying my uh priority order would go Bedard and then Seth Jones or Donato and then Hall if I can fit that in. So um I don't think there's anyone else I really want to play. Like, you know, looking at Reichel is, is kind of interesting. Um, but like, you know, no one jumps up to the top power play if we're assuming it's Corey Perry from his line. And it just feels a little gross. You know, Reichel's 3,700. There's guys at 2.5, 2.9, you know, 3.1 in Donato that we can play. Um, so I just don't know that that's like a luxury that I'm going to be able to take um, without hunting defense or something. So uh, any forwards on Chicago that stand out to you here um, other other than the top line? No, no, it's Reichel, but I, I just, okay. if he's on the top power play, that is a very large coaching mistake. And I just, I'm, I'm not going to play that game. He's, I mean, even if let's just say yeah, he I mean, is on the top power play, it's th- like, Johnson and Radish. Ah. Yeah, I certainly, I mean, I don't want uh, Reichel playing the Corey Perry role on the power play. So, you know, I, I guess there's only so many ways you can fit him in with, and with Taylor Hall and Connor Bedard, like, I don't think he's getting a wing on the power play. So um, I see him as an okay leverage play. Like if you just want a one-off center and you're not playing Bedard, you're not playing Jari, obviously um, that, that works. Um but I'm more interested in Chicago, just like punts uh, or the top line. So like uh, at punt defense. So Kevin Korchinski at 3,100, you know, we, we don't know a lot about what he is as an NHLer. Um, Connor Murphy, we know a lot about what he is as an NHLer at 2,800, just feels kind of obnoxiously cheap. Uh, he blocks a ton of shots. He's very live to get you the blocks bonus. I would not expect him to be low owned, um, but like you can play, you know, Connor Murphy against Jari or whatever you want to do. Like, it doesn't really matter. You're playing him because he's the sort of guy who, you know, once every, what, 20 games can get you the double bonus. And, you know, once every five games, he can get you the blocks bonus. And that sort of just keeps you on pace for the rest of your lineup. Um, So that's the main guy. If you want to mess around with the Wyatt Kaisers and the, you know, Alex Vlasics, if, if they make the lineup, then fine. But we know what, Connor Murphy is, and that's a very, very good um, NHL fantasy defenseman for DFS at his price. So, anything else? Take us to Pittsburgh, if not. Yeah, let's get to Pittsburgh. Um, big question mark of the entire slate is Jake Ensel did practice uh, on Monday, and it was Dubas who said he used to be a game time decision. Crosby, Gensel, and Rust were the top line. Wait, is that right? Hold on. Pretty sure. Yes, that's right. Yes, yes. And then it was Malkin, 
Bradley Smith, Raquel, uh, even with Gensel returning, we, I think both of us assumed that would mean that goodbye Raquel, but Raquel's kept that top power play spot in practice at least. So it was Crosby, Gensel, Carlson, Malkin, Raquel on the top power play, uh, which does open up kind of a pit two situation with Malkin, Raquel and uh, Eric mm-hmm. Carlson. So a couple ways to go. I kind of like it myself. And I kind of like the idea of Malkin Raquel with Eric Carlson as a bit of a pivot. But then again, this is all kind of barring exactly, you know, a, if, if, you know, if, if Gensel plays or not, and if Gensel does play, you know, it might be a tomorrow idea, <laughs> but it's, it's all, all to say. Yeah. I think, um, you know, one angle I'm taking on this is that we know historically Sidney Crosby at home tends to play most of his minutes with Chris Letang. Um, so like, you know, obviously on the power play, Crosby and Gensel can get there with Chris Letang, or sorry, with Eric Carlson on the power play one. Um, but, you know, if you're saying like, okay, I need to pull a lever to get somewhat different, like Chris Letang, if he's on the power play two, will be a lot less owned. I don't think I would do this. You know, the 400 difference, obviously I prefer Carlson and most projections will as well. But if you're steadfast and you're, you know, I want to play Cindy Crosby and Jake Gensel, at least consider the Latang leverage that you could get because the five on five should be there. Um, at the same time, you know, Eric Carlson with Evgeny Malkin and Ricard Raquel is an absolute slam dunk windmill, in my opinion. I'm really looking forward to this. I, you know, it's not going to be a hundred percent of the five on five minutes, but think of how long you know Malkin's been playing in this Pittsburgh team without that true like like great defensive player that can move the puck to him make make space for him you know whatever so Malkin isn't quite as good as he once was but like man uh, it's awfully enticing to think that Eric Carlson could really unlock his game at five on five and like propel him to the next level or back to like his heights um it's a bit far-fetched, but I'm really interested in Pittsburgh, too, playing Riley Smith along with Raquel and mixing Eric Carlson and just saying, you know, Pittsburgh gets there at 5-on-5, five five and I'm right in how they're deploying, like, Chris Letang and Sidney Crosby together, leaving, you know, Malkin for the other uh, the other guys. Any punts with Pittsburgh stand out to you? Um, you know, we're dealing with, like, pretty cheap guys in the bottom six, but I just don't know that anyone really is all that interesting. Uh, they're not to me. I mean, okay. no. uh, it was, yeah. hold on, I'm going back to it again. I'm jumping page to page to page here. I believe it was Pedersen with Carlson. Hold yes. On. Marcus Pedersen with yep. Carlson, Ryan Graves with Latang. I mean, I don't know. Marcus Pedersen isn't the worst player in the world, but is he the best punt defenseman? Probably not. So no, just men- worth mentioning maybe, but not all that important. Yeah. Um, 2,500 Jansen Harkins at center, uh, on the power play two, apparently, um, good for him. Don't really know how he got there, but good, good for that. Um, Ravers, right? It's not, uh, well, I mean like how he got onto the power play over like Lars Eller or whatever, like, you know, all, all these guys suck. Like it's not, it's not that big a deal, but, uh, you know, I was just sort of surprised to see Jansen Harkins there over Lars Eller specifically. Um, but if you're looking for a guy at 2,500, like Harkins is probably your guy because, hey, some second power play time, some Chris Letang action. Who knows? You know, Riley Smith, Brian Rust, Chris Letang. Like, it's not a bad uh, unit to, to fall into, um, even if it's not the first unit. So uh, just a little way to get some salary savings and some leverage over the top power play there. All right. Uh, yeah. Final game. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Nope. I was just agreeing. Yep. In agreement. 
Cool. Uh, so final game, Vegas heading or Vegas uh, raising the banner, welcoming in uh, Seattle. Um, starting on the Seattle side, uh, we're looking at a very similar structure to last year in that there's three lines that are pretty solid, three lines that are all pretty cheap, especially relative to like the rest of the slate. And uh, not a lot of uh, concentration as far as like shots or power play minutes or anything are concerned. Um, so I'll just open things up right away for you. Is there a Seattle line that you're uh, primarily interested in here? Ah, oh, man, you know, it's the eternal question, really. Um, and on top of that, we did get power plays on Monday and it just made it even like, honestly, it's made it more difficult for me, at least. I mean, we get Beneers, McCann and Eberle all together and uh, Bjorkstrand, Tolvanen, at least. I believe that's all five on five correlated as well. Yes. Um, but done with Bjorkstrand, Tolvanen, Schwartz, Yamamoto. And then Schultz is with that Beneers, McCann, Eberly, Burakovsky. It, it just it feels a little bit messy to me still. So I feel like my lean is Tolvanen, Bjorkstrand, Dunn, or just. But I think I'd end up with one or the other with Dunn, and hope that one of them just does get the goals. <laughs> I don't think there's there's not a massive difference in price. I think Tolvanen, yeah, Tolvanen comes up 100 cheaper. I think that's where I'm going to end up, just because I really think Vince Dunn is just like how I'd want to unlock um, either of those guys in the power play, which I trust to shoot. And Vince Dunn at, for- at 4,600 to me feels like a pretty good spot as it's not quite cheap enough to where you can easily afford those top couple defensemen we already mentioned, but it's not expensive uh, really at all. So yeah, that's kind of my lean is I guess Tolvanen and done if I had to put it into like very, very simple terms. Yeah, um, you know, that's going to be the million-dollar question here. It's, you know, they're going to split power play time pretty much down the middle. They're going to spread their ice time around pretty thoroughly. So I'm not, like, overly excited by any individual uh, of these, you know, units. Um, Though, I'm looking at Yanni Gord, you know, at 3,900 and just thinking, like, man, this guy is is not going to be played, is he? Like, I mean, he's not on the power play. Um, he's listed as a third liner in like, you know, Tolvin and Bjorkstrand were really good last year. They obviously can get there on the power play without him, but Kyle Yamamoto's the net front guy in the power play too. Are we, are we, are we sure? Are we sure Dave Haxtell's that stupid? Like Yanni Gord spent a lot of time last year pissing us off by flipping into that second unit net front role. Um, more often than we would like, you know, it would be Donato there. And then all of a sudden Yanni Gord was there for a shift and it would just sort of like infuriate us, at least, if, you know, for what I remember, um, I, I've drank away my sorrows from last season all, all summer long. So I might be misremembering that. Um, but I'm not convinced that Yanni Gord won't have a power play role for at least part of this game. And so getting him with his line mates at a, you know, an average salary of just about 4,000, Feels kind of good, um, you know, and I, I would prefer to get Bjorkstrand and Tolvanen on their own, you know, before I mixed in Yanni Gord. Um, but that's a spot that I really think is going to be pretty decent leverage just because McCann Everly Veneers is cheap enough to fit in without too much hassle. Um, and, you know, you get Justin Schultz as the defenseman at 3,300 um, with those, you know, with that cheaper top line so like playing vince dunn gord 
Bjorkstrand Tolvanen. It's kind of interesting to me. Um, so that, that's like my main angle. Um, I don't know if you have anything else that you're uh, tossing around here, but uh, yeah, any anything else? No, no. I mean, it, we both gave takes. They were at, similar and different in their own rights. Um, yeah, it's it definitely it, it's one of those nights where if you nail Seattle, you might win fifty k. And if you know, but then again, you could yep. just fade Seattle a little bit. 50, I don't know. Like it's not undoable to imagine that this is the game that maybe doesn't get there to me at least. Um, I mean, it is technically the lowest total as we mentioned, but it's not. It's by you know an absolute fraction of a decimal. All the excitement around the cup raising and all that garbage. You know, you can write your narratives, uh, but Seattle spreads the wealth enough to where. Even if they, you know, if they win three to two or something, like, none eh, of these lines might be in the winning, you know, the winner. Like, and that's why I kind of yeah. like the the two man type of build, and I think you can go a lot of ways with it. Um, and and we kind of gave you a couple ways of doing it right there. Um, I do think Burkhoff sure. could also get overlooked, but other than like like he kind of feels like another guy that's like we just haven't seen in so long, and he's thirty nine hundred, but. I mean, we do recall this guy was was pretty good at hockey, right? I mean, yeah, I would if I were playing Burakovsky, I would really try to fit in uh, Jared McCann with it. Like, I think that that's how Burakovsky hits a ceiling is like just feeding McCann on the power play and vice versa um, based yeah. on where they're lining up. So that's one way that I would try to get a little different to power yeah, play that's stack a, this. That's a good note. I like that. Uh, yeah. So, and, and I think there's expect, like, we talk about that all the time on short slates. Like you could be a little bit different and get there because you're not exactly like, and that's not to say like, you're going, what is, what do you call it? Goal hunting or something? What do you, what do you call it last time? Uh, I goal, think goal hunting was the right yeah. word. I don't know. It's like you, you are going goal hunting in this scenario, but you're also saying like the power play clicks. How, what does that look like? You're not correlating at five on five because you know, two goals and it, 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 and and then you're setting yourself way apart on the field. So no, I do like that, but let's get to Vegas and let's get you off to dinner. I know you're probably gearing up. Yeah, no, um, I'm, I'm okay on time, but um, in any case, I did want to point out the second pairing of uh, Oleksiak and Will Borgen. Um, Dumoulin and Schultz probably don't play as much as those two. Um, and at their prices, you know, it's probably comparable to Connor Murphy, maybe a slight lean toward Murphy. But again, you know, if ownership's like three or four times on Murphy, then why not take one of these guys who is bad, but could be better than Murphy for a night or whatever. Like just another uh, guys to keep in your rotation, both Alexiak and Borgen, both profile as sort of uh, shot eaters. Alexiak doing a bit more consistently throughout his career, but Borgen really sort of stepping into the minutes uh, this season, I presume, more so than he has in years past. So um, just a, a guy I'm keeping an eye on, you know, this game, uh, especially in Vegas. We know uh, we know how the, the blocks totals tend to be juiced there. So I um, really like those two as far as just mixing in punts um, if I were doing like a MME set. So on the Vegas side, there is a lot of guesswork patchwork going on. Um, so be, you know, be, be cognizant of morning skate and how these things could change. Um, but based on what we know right now is one on Monday, uh, they gave everyone their Stanley Cup rings. So everyone was uh, pretty uh, preoccupied with that. What did you think of the goal locations in the game six, having all nine goals listed there, like 
uh, contained within the ring as far as their map locations on the ice rink. I thought it was sick, but you know, I don't know if you saw that. I did see it. Um, yeah, the, the, the ring was incredibly, I mean, you could write an article going over every single piece because, and it would be multiple pages. There's a lot going on with that thing. Um, but you know what? It's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just, I, it was almost so silly that it was great. Um, but so beyond that, we don't have a ton of what went on in practice today. The one thing that I managed to pick up was that William Carlson skated alongside Paul Cotter and Michael Amadio. If you paid attention to the preseason, this doesn't match how they were rolling in preseason because uh, Carlson wasn't playing. Um, it seems like Carlson will play though. So what I'm doing is I'm going back to their game five uh, com- uh, cup clincher and basically looking through their lines and projecting it to go this way. So Barbashev, Eichel, Marchessault, really no notes needed there. They're going to be the top line. Um, Stevenson and Stone played with Brett Howden. Uh, we didn't see that in the preseason, but I would expect that to remain the case because last year we had William Carlson in between Michael Amadio and Riley Smith. So if you're taking Paul Cotter and just slipping him into Riley Smith's location, um, you know, you can do this pretty easily if you're on hockey viz alongside me, just sort of visualize how the lineup plays out. Um, you can see how Carlson, Amadio, Cotter uh, fit there, leaving the fourth line to be Will Carrier, Nick Waugh, and Keegan Kolosar. Um I'm but, very interested to see where Pavel Dorofayev winds up. Uh, DJ, go, go ahead. No, it's exactly what they have on DraftKings. So if you go to the, uh, the Vegas it tab, is. by okay. the way, if that helps you at all. If you want to visualize it by doing that, too. I was like, I was like, wait, hold on. I think they, they had it right, but I was going to wait for you to go because you had that other thing up. So, yeah. I honestly, I have never, ever used the, like, the lists of the players. Um, where They're the always wrong. Is. Like, like one, two, three, four. I've never once looked at that and like even really thought like, oh, those are the line combinations. So that's interesting. But no, yeah, they're often very wrong in this situation. Like you're saying <laughs> from from the piecemeal you mainly you did before yeah. we started. This actually seems correct. So good for good on drafting. Yes. And <laughs> so um, yeah. So so again, keep an eye on where Pavel Dorofiev uh winds up he's like actually a kind of good prospect with a decent shot profile 3600 if he's alongside uh stone and stevenson in particular i would be very interested in that just given we know that stone and stevenson don't shoot much um but brett howden was you know basically a nobody um but we're not projecting any changes to the top power play either uh shea theodore seemed to lead the way in the preseason playing on the eichel marcia so stone stevenson uh, power play unit so i'm firing up shea theodore as if he is you know one of the top plays on the slate uh 5700 for a guy with his uh, shot profile for a guy with his exposure to eichel and you know like game-breaking talents like uh, he's got a monopoly of it in my opinion versus headman and uh Sturgachev who don't and versus Carlson and Yossi who are much more expensive and Seth Jones who sucks so like you know you're kind of talking about uh Shea Theodore in a class of its own in my opinion on the slate just for what the salary actually saves you um versus the high end so that that's where I'm starting but you, you all know I'm a, a huge Theodore homer so I might be biased there um Anything else about Vegas stand out to you? I know we have a ton of defensive injuries and whatnot yep. to, to get some devalue. That was exactly what I was going to say. Thanks for setting me up. Yeah, no Alec Martinez, no Zach Whitecloud. Likely moves Haig 
uh, into a more prominent role. And we've seen in the past Nick, Nicholas Haig be, uh, I mean, a decent to good rates player in general. Um, big body. He has hit box bonuses before for sure. Um, and he does isn't completely afraid to shoot the puck. So, yeah, I think he is probably the guy that's going to benefit most there. He's probably going to see over 20 minutes of ice time, likely primarily with um, Che Theodore. And then McNabb, I believe, will be with Petrangelo is the plan. Uh, flip him. Flip him. Flip him? But, you think flipped? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Theodore and McNabb are pretty huh. much locked in IMO. And then Martinez gets replaced by Egg alongside Petrangelo. Okay. That, that's what I imagine would be the case. Okay. I, honestly, either it really doesn't make that big of a difference to me. Um, For sure. But no. I think I just, I just like Haig 900 cheaper than McNabb either way, really. Uh, and then mm-hmm. the third pair feels a little bit up for debate, but kind of expecting Ben Hutton to be one of them. Um, and he's more expensive than Haig. Like, like I said, I expect to get much more minutes, but I understand Hutton is likely a better offensive weapon in theory. Um, I'm not sure how much that's going to come to fruition in this one game sample. Like I think, I think that Nick Hague could be like my favorite punt on the slate potentially, but there is a yeah. lot of good defensemen and I don't know how high owned he's going to get. Yeah. Um, I was shocked to learn that uh, Ben Hutton is 30 years old. Like, yeah. I was floored. I had no idea. Um, kind of, kind of the same Nick Holden situation. It's like, Oh, this young, you know, Nope. Just actually old. Like Nick Holden, I'm pretty sure retired, like just weird. Um, but yeah, Braden Patchall, Minsal, um, the other guy, but I don't think that their pair gets minutes. Like they do when it's white cloud and Hague. I think the minutes just filter upward through Petrangelo, Theodore McNabb and uh, Nick Hague. So um, very interested in a keg for sure as another punt option though he's probably more of a stacking partner in that he probably needs to get a point or two to really bury the faders versus um, the other guys we've mentioned to our punts uh, are probably not going to get points but they can get much more as far as blocks and hits just you know accruing the bonuses that way um, Nick Keg doesn't quite have that profile so I'd be more inclined to use them on like a, you know, an Eichel Theodore team or something to try and save salary. Um, but yeah, that's just uh, another interesting game. And again, all these punts that we mentioned as far as the lines and, you know, the Howdens, the Cotters, um, they could be useful for the showdown and for the late slate, especially. But um, yeah, you know, a, a lot of good options here in a game with really three lines for each team that could do damage and arguably a fourth given we saw Vegas in the playoffs roll with that fourth line too. Um, So yeah, there's a lot to pay attention to a lot to consider when we're stacking. So with that, let's do our top stacks, guarantee some goals and get on out of here. Yeah. um, I mean, let's just do one stack each. Is that fair? Yep. That's fair. All right. You go first. All right. I'm going to take Evgeny Malkin with Riley Smith and uh, Evgeny Malkin. Um, obviously, I like, or sorry, Ricard Raquel, um, Evgeny Malkin, and Eric Carlson. The power play one stack, um, I believe the five on five stack as well, as far as how they're going to deploy their uh, five on five minutes with defensemen. So I also want to try and get Riley Smith in there um, as well. Maybe make that a sort of game stack environment, who knows, um, with Connor Bedard and friends. But in general, I think Pittsburgh will be the chalk. I think it's warranted. This Chicago team is going to be in for a world of hurt this season. 
Though I kind of want to get on it early because I do think Bedard will actually be able to push the pace and it will be a lot of fun to to play these guys versus last year when it was just kind of like, oh, everyone's dead and we're up 6 nothing and just everyone goes home. Like, you know, it, it, I think it's going to be slightly different in Chicago this year, maybe like a Buffalo light. So I'm trying to get on that early. And uh, so I think Pittsburgh might be pushed, um, which, you know, might people might not be expecting. Honestly, it's probably my favorite stack as well. Um exactly what you said. So I'll give something I know I'll end up playing with it a little bit. And that is, you know, Tolvanen with Dunn. And then you can, I still think, agree with what you said with Yanni Gord. So you could play Bjorkstrand as well. Sure. Um, but I think, um, yeah, you sh- you could have, I think you'd have room for either. Yeah, I think that would either, I think either way. Um, I, you know, if you, if you have that wing spot, if you have that center spot, whatever you want to do, um, that could work. If you play Grubauer, yeah, yeah, it worked just fine. So Malkin, mm-hmm. Raquel, Carlson, Tolvinen, Dunn, you know, if you want to throw Bjorkstrand, you have the room. And you just, you know, nice, easy middle of the road. I think that's like a fun little way of doing it. Um, yeah, guarantee a goal each. Get out of here. Yep. And, and now is when you yell, don't dupe me, bros. Um, right? Don't dupe me, please. I want to split the Well, I mean, we... We still got to do two goals here. Um, okay, yeah, we'll 11K do two. We, right. we use an 11K salary cap uh, to guarantee two goals. Um, you know, just, just something we've done over time. Uh, do you want to go first here since you let me give my stack first? Yeah, uh, I'll go with Fleet Forsberg, 6,900, a very nice price. Um, Good call. I think we're going to, I, I think I, it has been very quickly forgotten about that this guy had like 42 goals in like 50 games or something before his injury two years ago last year. I get it. You know, he wasn't even really great in the role he had for, but I don't think he was ever a hundred percent. Something was um, awry there, but I think he'll get back on track this year. Um, yep. Yeah. 42 and 69 uh, the year before my bad. I'm, I'm way off. Yeah. But, Forsberg is an elite sniper. Um, so yeah, I, I like him, uh, especially as like a one-off type idea. I think that's an interesting uh, angle. Um, just the offense flows to his stick. Um, I'm going to go a little bit cheaper. Jonathan March though for 5,300 is just aggressively mispriced. Um, now Seattle's not a great matchup. Like it, it's not likely that Vegas gets, you know, 40 shots or something like they were able to get in the postseason against some of the teams they were playing against. Um, but I mean, Jonathan Marshall coming off the Constantine Trophy, locked into a role alongside Jack Eichel, who was priced, you know, above like these elite studs like Malkin that we're talking about, like loving and same level as Point and Crosby. But the guy he was feeding all spring long, Marshall so remains down at 5,300. It's just a little strange. I don't really understand. Um, I am expecting some chalk to form as a result, which I don't love, but you know, I'm, I'm confident in my ability to differentiate around it and to build differently around March or so. So 5,300 for March or so lock it in. He's scoring a goal um, opening night. All right. Um, I'm going to go 3,900 Andre Burakovsky kind of mentioned exactly why already because of the power play, you know, McCann is clearly the guy they prefer shooting, but Sometimes your first guy isn't always the guy that can shoot. And I think second in line is Andre Burakovsky on that unit uh, with Veneers and um, Everly. Okay. Um, let's see. I am going to go with a, a very dart throwy, low owned type piece in Tommy Novak. Um, you know, it's 
obviously the shooting percentage was very high last year for Novak. Um, and yeah. I, you know, I'm not one to say like, oh, you know, he's actually a great player, but it, it's it's a little strange that he's like coming back. He is like their leading point scorer from last year. He is tied with Philip Forsberg. They each played like you know whatever 50 or 51 games last year, and Novak had basically as as much output as Philip Forsberg. Um, so 4,900 on the top power play. I think he'll be like on the on the perimeter. Um, Forsberg on the left wall and Novak on the right wall with Fiosi up top. So he might even be in a one-time position. Um, so you know, talking about 5,700, looking around at the options, I think a 4,900 Tommy Novak is pretty interesting, just because I don't think people will play him much at all. Um, you know, and, and again for good reason because he's not a huge rates guy. But he scored a ton last year, and, and I think he's uh, in line to have a you know at least a good chance to score in, in this game as well. Um, yeah, looking through the power play from last year, he shot as much on the power play as Nino Niederreiter, Matt Duchesne. Um, so like very much behind Yossi and Forsberg per minute, but right up there with the rest of the roster. So you know he's getting looks on the power play as well when he's out there. Okay. That's that's all well and good. I will see you all right. in the underdog drafts, and I will see you in the Morning Skate Podcast League, which Jimmy already put up. Thanks, Jimmy. Um, already 15 people in there, including myself. I'm not going to forget to do Ooh, it every night. I got to remember to get in there because I will forget to do it every night. Oh, I know. Um, so, yeah, any final thoughts from you, DJ? Hockey's back, baby. Let's get going. Uh, a lot of content. Every day, I don't even know. I'm just going to do it in various formats and kind of, I guess, keep you on your toes. Um, I think honestly, I'm kind of considering it's just doing like uh, one of those, um, what do they call them, the Twitter Spaces, right? Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, I think I'm, I think I'm going to give, I think I'm going to give that a go because oh, why not? That's my plan. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it then. Um, yeah, expect more from us this week. Make sure you're following us. I am at Fake Moods on Twitter. DJ's at DJ underscore Mitchell 94. Uh, there's the Morning Skate Pod channel or Twitter as well. Um, if you follow us there, you won't miss. Uh, if you follow all of us, you won't miss anything um, as far as you know everything's concerned. Um, I know uh, I posted a season preview newsletter that hopefully you've already read, but if not, go to my Twitter. It's, it's there. It's uh, one of the more recent tweets I had and, uh, you know, just a lot of stuff industry-wide for fantasy hockey that we are both sharing on a daily basis and you don't want to miss it. Uh, Lastly, get in the MSP discord. Um, If you DM one of us, we can get you hooked up with the link. And um, make sure you are subscribing to the podcast. Um, you know, you're probably subscribed if you're listening to this, but on the off chance you clicked on a link through Twitter, do note that this is a different pod feed than last year. Um, we we transitioned in the summertime just because of uh, uh, a lot of underlying issues. There's some stuff in the Discord about it. If you really want to know why, uh, we ran you through this inconvenience, but just find us. It's the exact same name and everything. Uh, just a new pod feed that uh, we can now work with things like Spotify and other pod platforms that we couldn't before. So uh, with all that said, thank you for listening. A lot more to come from us. So from Doug, from DJ, from myself, have a great opening night, everybody, and we will see you.